So this morning we have said this word over and over again, Pentecost, Pentecost, Pentecost. Today is the day of Pentecost. It is Pentecost Sunday, also known as the 50th day of Easter, which is where Penta comes from, the 50th day. It's the 50th day of Easter. This day um, across the globe is known as the birthday of the church. After Jesus ascends to heaven um, and leaves the disciples with a blessing, Jesus tells the disciples to watch and to wait and to pray. And so the disciples find themselves, we sometimes say, in this upper room or, or all together in one place. And they're uh, waiting and praying and watching for the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promises is going to come and be a comforter among them. Telling the disciples, you will not be orphaned. You're not going to be left alone, but you're going to be imbued with power that's going to remind you that when I was here and you were covered in my dust, being covered in the dust of uh, your rabbi, that you now are sent out into the world to be little Christs in the world, but you will be empowered to do that, not out of your own human capacity. There are two things that I want you to hold on to as I prepare to read um, the second chapter of, um, of Acts. Is that one, this birthday of the church or the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit was not an inconsequential moment. It was pretty monumental. Um, it, it, was, it, was, it was pretty um, grand and mighty and, and powerful. It was a marked moment. It wasn't just a blip on the radar screen. How we now call ourselves people who are followers of Jesus, who are part of the church, not just like the Southeast Raleigh table, but this, this uh, bride of Christ that we came into being in a pretty magnificent way. But the other thing um, about when the Holy Spirit is poured down upon the disciples when they're watching and waiting, taking the direction from Jesus, those instructions, is that the democracy of the moment of the distribution of the power of the Holy Spirit should challenge who we believe can be brokers and stakeholders of power. So not only was it a grand moment, but who was empowered in that moment should challenge the way in which we sometimes think some people are in and some people are out. And some people should have access to power and some people shouldn't have access to this power. Power meaning an ability to change or to influence others or behaviors. But I want us to understand power in regard to the work of the Holy Spirit within our lives. That we are capable because of how the, the, the Spirit works in us and also through us. Really quickly, I want to give you a primer on um, the person of the Holy Spirit. Also known as the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is not an it. In fact, it is oftentimes, um, oftentimes when we refer to the Holy Spirit, I like to use the pronoun she. She is the comforter. She is the convictor. She is known as the parakletos in the Greek, the one who comes alongside. This one who empowers is like the, the fuel for the things that we do. Sometimes when we say, oh, you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit, it can feel really like I'm over-spiritualized language. But I want you to think of it in this way. That, that day when you are sitting with someone and it feels as though when your mouth is opened up and you're offering up words and you don't know where those words have come from, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Or maybe when you are at work, and there is a task that you feel like is just too difficult to do, and somehow, some way, you are able to get to the other side, and you get to the other side brilliantly, that we might say, oh, your work might be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Or when, when finally, after many years of not being able to set a boundary, you're able to set a boundary, we might believe that's the work of the Holy Spirit. 
making you capable to do a thing that might seem impossible or too grand in your life. So when we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not like, you know. But in our every ordinary days, and also too sometimes in some magnificent ways, the Holy Spirit, she is at work in us. I want you to hear now the, the um, Pentecost passage, the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit that has come upon the disciples, found in Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 21, which is a little bit longer passage of scripture that I have for us this morning, if you want to read along with me, or if you want to let these words wash over you. And the scripture says this, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. I want you to watch how many times all is used in this passage. Now there were devoted Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they said, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, one of the disciples, standing with the 11, raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea, I have a little problem with little Peter. Peter, can we make it a little more inclusive, Peter? But anyway, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, I love you, Peter. Let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. So I don't oftentimes wear this stole. It's actually a Pentecost stole. 
Uh, because um, in the life of the church, the only time that we adorn our sanctuaries with red or wear red stoles as pastors is on the day of Pentecost. That's one of the, 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 the few times that we get to wear these stoles. Um, some of you know this, that I received this stole on the day that I was ordained as um, an elder in the United Methodist Church. And as the bishop laid hands on me and placed this stole around my neck, the bishop said this to me, take thou the authority. Take thou the authority, that, that basically because you're going to operate in the office as, as an elder, that, that you're going to move in some difficult spaces, but take thou the authority. You're going to move through some sad spaces, but take thou the, the authority. You're going to move in some spaces that feel glorious, take thou the authority, that there is some power at work within you, that you don't have to ask for permission, Lisa, you can take thou the authority. Now here's my confession is that sometimes I have not always had the moral courage that is deserving of wearing this stole. There have been times when I have let fear and narratives keep me from taking down the authority. So I don't want to pretend that somehow when I put on this sacred cloth around my shoulders that all of a sudden I become larger than life or that when I'm not wearing this, that just out of the function of being a pastor that I have been larger than life. I have sometimes really failed at taking down the authority. However, I have never dismissed that moment that was conferred upon me to live a life that is counter to that where we believe that fear gets the final word. So whenever there are difficult moments, when there are particular tragedies, I will wear this stole. When our dear brother, his name was Samuel, who was a part of City World Church in Durham, was detained by ICE two years ago, this was the stole I wore outside of the detention center. After the shootings at Pulse nightclub, Way back in the day, I stood behind a smaller communion table than this, and I wore this stole, and I called out the names of every one of our siblings who was killed that night. After the Parkland shootings, I put on this stole, and I stood before the congregation and spoke the names of every single person who had lost their lives. After George Floyd's murder, when there were protests downtown, I gathered with a group of clergy and we did a cleansing ceremony and I wore this stole in the midst of what felt like turmoil. But lately I have been thinking, what if I didn't only wear this stole in moments of tragedy or destruction or despair? What if I began to renegotiate how I think about the power that is in me and through me that I wore this stole all the time? That when I am brunching at Flying Biscuit with friends, that in my friendship I might believe that there's a beautiful power that comes through me. Or, 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 or when I'm just hanging out at a birthday party in a backyard, that I might wear this stool because I recognize that maybe new wine is being created as we celebrate the life of a two-year-old. Or when I'm just kicking it up with friends. Or shopping at Trader Joe's. Why not? Why not be reminded that there is power that has been conferred upon me, not only in tragedies, but just every single moment of our lives? Based on the way that we live together here at the Southeast Raleigh Table, we believe 
that the Holy Spirit is at work in all of us. We are forever calling down the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. A couple of weeks ago, Rachel was confirmed, a middle schooler. What did we say over Rachel? The Holy Spirit worked within you, that being born of water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. When the baby Ella was baptized and when the two-year-old Ella was baptized, what do we say over them? The Holy Spirit worked within you, that being born of water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Every single Sunday when I stand behind the communion table, I say, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. You get the blessing even before the elements get the blessing. For spirit to be poured out upon you and for spirit to be at work within you. We believe in an everyday dispensation of power because we believe in everyday access to the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not only on Pentecost like, get it all together, friends, but every single day, continuously, the Spirit is pouring out power upon us. In Acts chapter 2, scholars love to talk about how the fulfillment of the outpour of the Holy Spirit happened. Recounting uh, that God just comes with, like, with great might in, um, in, in spirit. That on the day of Pentecost, when they're all gathered together in that place, it's as though the third heavens open up. And there is a mighty rushing wind. Can you imagine if right now there's a mighty rushing wind and the, the roof, you know, uh, flails open. I'm pretty sure some birds would also come down. And then like tongues of fire rest upon each of us. So everyone was speaking in a way that their words had power, this angelic language in that space. And though throughout scripture there's uh, this sense that when, when God is among us, God is always first inviting us into something. So, yay, I stand at the door and knock. Or, or the call of Isaiah, do you want to do this thing? You know, you know, who shall I send? So there's always this invitation. But th that's a little different in, um, in the Pentecost story. It's a little less, yay, I stand at the door and knock and wait for you to look at Simply Safe and then come answer the door. It's more like everyone's going to get this kind of moment. Stay ready because everyone's going to get this. It's a, it's a supernatural moment. It's a supernatural moment. But the what and the how for us this morning doesn't feel as important as the who. It says that when they were gathered together in that place, and it says every nation under heaven, which, you know, that's, that's no small thing to look over. Something about, there's, a, there's an expansive and a global kind of idea about this day of Pentecost. This supernatural outpouring touches every single person who is gathered in that upper room. All of them were filled. It didn't say, no, all of them are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Then there's a roll call of those who are gathered beyond that space who can hear clearly about God's deeds of power that are being proclaimed by those who are gathered and are also having this experience. Now, sometimes 
um, in scripture, whenever there's like a genealogy or you're like going through the Elamites and the Gigamites and the Gershites, you know, we want to be like an auctioneer and just like, well, bleep, 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 and just like a fumble over, like we want to yada yada that moment. But whenever there is specificity about who's actually hearing or doing or receiving, pay attention. Pay attention. If you were to reread all of those individuals, all of those particular places, some of those places would be considered those who were outside of the faith or maybe even unclean. But they could hear clearly about God's mighty deeds and power. And then, as this is all happening and everyone can hear in their own language about God's mighty deeds and power. And all are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. There are those who sneer and think this, something about this is not right. Something about this isn't right. They must be filled with new wine. My guess is it seems too incomprehensible that all of these types of people might be able to hear clearly or also to be imbued with power. So this, this, the only way we can explain this is they must be drunk. And then Peter. Peter is like, no, that's not it. Don't you remember how the prophet Joel says, in the last days, God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That my sons and my daughters shall prophesy. That old men and young men shall see visions and have dreams. That those who are bound and those who are free, they too will also have uh, power that is distributed by the God who creates the heavens and the earth. Now, over and over again in the New Testament, especially in the epistles, basically those are the, the writings um, of, of, um, that talk about kind of the work of the church. Over and over again in the epistles, we are reminded of kind of the democracy of how God works. We are neither Greek nor Jew, slave nor free, male or female or gendered. Uh, we are all one in Christ Jesus. And I think sometimes we say those things so like, oh, blah, 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 it just kind of flows off of our lips, but we don't recognize that we're saying something about a power politic. The church, so this all happens on the birthday of the church, that all of these people from all over the globe are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and can hear clearly. The power politic is that the beauty of the church is that we become the place where all bodies <laughs> Participate in being powerful. All bodies participate in being powerful or power-filled. And this is what makes the church a threat when we're healthy, okay? When we're not healthy and when we're doing some, it can, it can, go, it can go in a very bad direction. But this is what makes the church when we are healthy. You know the world or the empires, I like to say. When I say the empire, friends, what I mean is like the powers that, that work counter to the way in which Jesus is trying to create kingdom. Okay, 
empire. The empire is always concerned about who's got power. They care about which bodies have power and, and they, they, they only understand power over, not power with. Okay. They always understand power. And, and here's the other thing. Like, um, like we are peace, we are, we are peacemakers. Okay. The empire loves to be peacekeepers. I, I'm going to put you in solitary confinement. I'm going to bring a SWAT team, okay? We, we, we make peace. We don't, there's always this like, if you just turn the power just a little bit, it can either be glorious or it can either be broken. So the empire cares about which bodies have power. The birthday of the church reminds us That however gendered you are, you got power. However you sexually identify, you have power. Irregardless of your racialized identity, you have power. Or the ability of your body, you have power. If you have money, if you don't have money, you have power. If you have a label or you don't have a label, high-ranking official or low-ranking official, you have power. Whether you're educated or uneducated, you have power. The beauty of the Pentecost moment is that it disrupted a power politic that all those who could hear and all those who were in that room were, in a democratic way, all got to experience that God is an equal opportunity giver of power. That all messes a lot of people up in the streets. And this is what I want us to know. It will always feel like a threat to unhealthy power whenever a system is willing to empower all and not just some. The other occasion when, when pastors are to wear this stole is whenever there's a commissioning, a blessing, or a charge over someone's life. Meaning that it's not that I become the bishop in a moment, but when Camille's about to like launch something, I'm gonna wear this stole. When Rachel has dangerous dreams to do something, and I lay hands on her to go out to the world, I'm gonna wear this stole. I've said all of these things about the day of Pentecost. I'm saying all these things to you on the day of Pentecost. Do not let the world make you believe that you are powerless. You might be limited because we are human and we are not infinite, but we are not powerless. Do not begin to believe that the worst days that we have gone through are the only days we will go through because we are not powerless.
Grieve today that Breonna Taylor should have been 29. And then get up tomorrow and you put on whatever you have to put on to remind yourself that you bend towards justice and also righteousness and that every life and body is sacred. And you be about that power in this world. And whatever body you occupy, if anyone has ever told you because of who you are that somehow you cannot be a stakeholder to power or this gift of the spirit, you tell them, no, 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 no. Because when the day of Pentecost came, my God gave all. My God gave all. My God gives to all. During this Pride Month, no, God gives to all. As we get ready to celebrate Juneteenth, God gives to all. As we just journey through life, God gives to all. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we, your people, give you thanks and praise this day for the gift of your power and the gift of your presence. And the ways in which you anoint the work that we do by the work of our hands, because of the work of your hands. You who say that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have chosen us, your people, to be vessels and distributors of your power. You have chosen us to be ambassadors on your behalf. You have chosen us to speak of your mighty deeds and power. You have chosen us to be power-filled and to be powerful. Now, oh God, would you help us to do something with the power? Not power over, but power with. That this world that we have been called to love to life might be changed and transformed because by the presence of the Holy Spirit, we're also able. So we ask that you would use us, that you would help us to be good stewards of this gift that you have given us on the day of Pentecost. That we would do no harm, that we would do all the good that we can. May it be so. In the strong name of the one who creates, redeems, and sustains. Amen.